Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Romeo Must Die. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen it, just be aware there might be spoilers. Enjoy. Hello there. Hello. Have you seen Romeo? I, I have, and I'm afraid he must die. He must die right now. <laughs> so you had some you had some uh, laptop issues, Paddy. Yeah, it crashed just before this. I had to reboot. My bad. So rather than rebooting, perhaps you'd say that you'd try again. I, I could, yeah. <laughs> dust it off. I dusted it off, and I tried again. Shall we get started by saying how bloody amazing the soundtrack to this film is? Yeah, Romeo Must Die, right? It's it's a gang film, essentially, loosely based on Romeo and Juliet, with the best possible title that a film like this could have. And then you get into it, and you're like, wow, this actually has a fantastic soundtrack. And I'm going to go as far as to say that the soundtrack makes this film, right? Yeah, no, I'd completely agree. Completely agree with you there. We're going straight in talking about the film. If you yeah. if you if this is the first time you've ever listened to this show, this is this is how we do it every time. We go straight in with the film chat. We never ever <laughs> sing at the beginning, like try and make up a song about it. I couldn't think of any song to do for Romeo Must Die. Why why would you need to when the the the, the soundtrack itself is so great? Well, exactly. I knew I wouldn't be able to do it justice. Precisely, precisely. I was going to try and do something with Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits, but I never got there. The finger picking is actually quite difficult. I do I know that song? I don't really know Dire Straits very much. It's the you know you'd have money for nothing, right? That's yeah, the know, that's the famous that. one. Yeah. yeah, Romeo and Juliet. It's a nice a nice ballad, but his voice is so mumbly, isn't it? That's the that's the problem. It's it's like. Yeah, it's yeah. It's him mumbling about Romeo and Juliet, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the the only things I know about about Dire Straits and Money for Nothing, Sultans of Swing. Yeah, well. that's a good one. Um, and that they wear headbands. That's that's them, isn't it? They wear headbands. Yeah. yeah that's the guy. He he always wears the, wears a headband. He also had a career as a tennis player. That's oh, why. Okay, that's why. He decided that he could not be serious about tennis playing, so he had to go and um, make money for nothing. Yeah. One time, um, when I used to DJ at the Cavern in Exeter, which you'll remember, one of our one of our like kind of indie club nights where we'd play, you know, cool and current music and stuff. There, it was, you know, it was about eight o'clock. We just opened, and you know, at that point, we used to just play loads of random stuff because you know nobody would really start dancing until about nine thirty, ten o'clock. Um, so we just kind of play whatever we wanted, wanted really, and it was a chance to just yeah throw down a few tracks without really having to care. And at one point, there was a group of a group of about five or six lads had come in really early at that point and were drinking. They clearly never been there before, or just sort of checking it out or on some kind of night out. And one of the lads came up and asked me to play Sultans of Swing. And he said, if you play that, this whole place will be jumping. Everyone will get up. 
<laughs> did you play it? I didn't, no. And now I, I feel like a dick and I feel like I should have played you it should, because him were. and his mates would have gotten up and had a good time, but he, he gave he gave up a bit bit of an he gave up of a bit of an English Defence League vibe, if you I'm were, honest. You were too cool for school paddy. I was. I was if I was not, too cool. If it's not the wombats, I ain't playing it at least nine thirty. Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, come back at eleven fifty nine. I know you I know we said we were going to um go and talk immediately about this movie, but I just wanted to talk about something quickly. Of course, that's how it works. I've already derailed it by talking about <laughs> dire straits. It's fine. Um I realise, you know, we, we both love new metal and we have our new metal podcast. Poddurst. Um, Poddurst. I realised the other day that new metal was the last time that a big cultural scene in music wasn't boring as fuck. And it was <laughs> weird and there was variation. Because think about it, right? It went from new metal into emo in terms of cultural consciousness. Right? Yeah. In terms of the big sort of musical movement, so grunge, new metal, emo. In terms and of guitar-based music. In terms of guitar-based music, here I'm talking about, or like the 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 biggest countercultural movement of music of that time period. Um, yeah, where you can kind of put a put a finger on it. So I'm not talking about pop music here. I'm talking specifically about the kind of the anti-pop music of that era. Um, so yeah, you had grunge, all that variation in grunge, really interesting. New metal. You had the 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 frosted tips. The frosted tips. Well, you you, you had like the <laughs> DJ da- scratching. But but you had so much variation. You had the Dardarist nonsense of System of a Down, the rule of the political uh, imagery around it as well, uh, or the the complete dumb fuckery of Limp Bizkit, the <laughs> the hip hop vibes mixed with horrible nihilism of Corn, um, the the tension of of Linkin Park all sound very very different but then after that you have emo where all of the bands sounded the same but (laughs) the the nicest thing you can say about any of those bands in that period is that my chemical romance sounded slightly different because they had a kind of extravagance to them but even then a lot of the bands sounded just like that my chemical romance leaned more into the the goth aesthetic whereas you know emo is a word that's broad enough to encompass you know them and a band like Jimmy Eat World, for example, which is just American guys singing about girls and trophies and stuff. Yeah, I'm but not, I'm not. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about traditional emo like Jimmy Eat World here. I'm talking about the emo movement that came after new metal. Because so, yeah, what you, you mean you is can... Daily Mail emo? What you mean <laughs> yeah. is the emo that made the front page of the Daily Mail as something exactly. that parents should I'm, be worried talk- about their kids listening to? Exactly. I'm talking about the right. emo movement here, not bands that five people cared about for three minutes in 1999. Um, Jimmy Eat World are still going on, have you know? They are, and they're in- still incredibly boring after releasing only two good albums throughout their entire career. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy Eat World fans. Um, but your Their latest names, stuff isn't bad, as it, it, as it goes. Is, it's not it as, as good. But. It is bad. Um, but your band name is mean, and you should feel bad, and I will never give you any credit. It is a very silly name. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so I'm not talking about the, the emo bands of that, that era where they're like, oh man, we play really emotional but really boring guitar rock about how I was dumped five years ago. <laughs> I'm talking about the stuff like My Chemical Romance here, but all of it sounded the same. And then from that, we leaped into Every Band Sounds Like Gang of Four. Yeah. And it was incredibly boring. And like, okay, maybe you could dance to Franz Ferdinand, but then you have bands like the Wombats or 
the Hosiers or was it the Hosiers? What were they called? Hoosiers. The Hoosiers. Which is a name for people from Indiana, apparently. Um, and uh, the Bravery. Ugh, yeah. The Bravery are dull <laughs> as every, hell. every band sounded like Joy Division or Gang of Four. That Isn't this what they call Landfill <laughs> Indie? There was yeah, some article exactly. on Vice about this a year or two ago. And th- and then after that, what did you have? I suppose you had like the um, the 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 EDM scene kind of came up after that as the big countercultural music scene, and then you had even bands like Corn getting in on on the EDM scene and doing little dance metal numbers. I mean, this is this is the point at which the guy who used to front the band from first to last, which no one remembers, turned into Skrillex overnight. <laughs> yeah exactly um and then uh and then i guess after that you have i mean in terms of guitar music it then became metalcore and sorry metalcore fans (laughs) but all your bands sound the same it's all very technically impressive yeah you can really hit things at the right time but all of your stuff sounds exactly the same where's the where's the variation where, 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 are you, where are you going with this? Are you, are you saying that just all music is bad and it all sounds the same? Yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. All, all, mu- all modern, well, not all, all modern music, but all, all music that fits into, into, these a popular, days. into a popular genre of the time. Like you, you have, because I, I do keep up to date with modern releases. And, and this year we've had some really great albums. Um, Rolo Tomasi's album is yeah, the best that's of the really year. good. Billy Talent released a fucking corker of an album in January. Really? Yeah, it's Blimey. really, really good. Um, you've got silly name, like, good band. You've got like bands like Chastity doing the emo rock that five people cared about style of music from the the late nineties and doing it really well. Um, you've got Boris, they're back again. Got a lot. Oh yeah, Boris. not oh. our prime minister, the band, the Japanese band no. Boris. Um, or, or things like Alice Glass is releasing solo material this year, um, which is really good. You've got Beach House back if you want really sad dream pop. Um, so you've got you've got these really good albums this year. But when you look at the 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 stuff that gets churned out, it's just fucking boring, and all of it just taps into the Spotify playlist bullshit that people do now where it's like okay we've all got to sound exactly the same because we've got to fit onto a playlist where everything sounds exactly the same yeah but it's all it's all on tiktok now isn't it all pop songs now are 10 seconds long and have to have a video (laughs) that's how pop music works that's that's how it works i miss the days of weird corkers amazing songs that sounded like nothing else or at least really had a sound that that fit them perfectly whereas now everything is so bloody created by committee and and just just so technical and so sterile and i'm i miss the days of music being interesting like the soundtrack to romeo must die and all the music in romeo must die to try and bring it back on course but basically which felt very much of its time didn't it it but also fit defines the film and fits it perfectly like a glove Yes, yeah. So, so in short, fuck your band if you play bands and play music these days. You're probably bad. Yep. Sorry to break it to you, but you're probably not a good musician. Well, you might be an amazing musician, but the music you create is boring. All Go- music is bad, apart from Aaliyah. <laughs> exactly. And I will say, Rolo Tomasi's album, if you make music this, this at this moment in time, 
Stop what you're doing and go and listen to the new Rolo Tomasi album and think to yourself, is my music as interesting as this? And if it's not, go back and fucking work on it a bit. It is really good. Even even if you're like a little singer-songwriter cuck singing about how, how your girlfriend <laughs> left you seven years ago. And still the boys we used it. to be. <laughs> then, then go and listen to something completely different and realise, oh, actually, you can do really, really interesting music still. And how do you like feel it. about lo-fi hip-hop covers of songs from video games from 1997? <laughs> I am absolutely fine with that. I've done four that's, of them now. That's exactly that's exactly what we need. We need well, I will say lo-fi stuff is the scourge of my existence at the moment because I'm always after interesting like down tempo electronica music. Yeah. But most lo-fi stuff is boring as fuck and it's like no, I want interesting stuff. Give me stuff that's not 1 minute long of a sample you found with some raindrops in the background please. Give me something new. <laughs> And I, that's what I like about your stuff that you create and put out there, because it is like, oh, I see what this is. This is cool. Yeah, I've got I've got originals coming as well, some of which are over two minutes long. So well, you'll, I, I am you'll, really you'll enjoy pleased that. about that. I think they should all be over two minutes long. Thank personally, I think if your if your song is less than than two minutes long and you're not in a hardcore punk band, you're making it for an advert. Yeah, or for TikTok. And again, I think a lot of the, it, this is to do with social media. And once again, here I am as old man. I don't like social media anymore. <laughs> but like, it's yeah, and I'm a hundred years old. But everything today, I they talk in marketing about things being snackable. You know, yeah, you ever heard this yeah, term? Exactly. And it's like snackable. everything these days has to be tiny because no one has any attention span anymore. And I know that's not a very nuanced take, but it's also true. So shut up. Well, it's it's only true because that's the way that the world has been designed. Yeah. Like stuff is snackable, and stuff is for pe- stuff is for people with low attention spans because that's what all of the uh, the content is now. It's all short form, apart from YouTube creators, which seem to be getting longer and longer in terms of their videos. Yeah. Do you want to watch an eleven-hour-long critique of why Star Wars is for for soy boy beta cucks and they're it's the downfall of western family values well youtube's there for you you'll come out of you'll you'll enter the video thinking oh i wonder what this is about star wars and come out the other side a literal nazi i did watch that two-hour documentary on nfts that was good oh it's so good the the line goes up by foldable ideas yeah um please all of you actually a listen to the rollo tomasi album i'm not letting that go people should really listen to it it's so good um but also, yeah, go go on YouTube and search The Line Goes Up for the greatest review of what NFTs are. If you're unsure about what NFTs are and why they're bad, it's the, the best place to go to understand it. And it's done in such a professional way. It's brilliant. Yeah. But, you know, on that subject, if I may, you know, take a moment to look back on what we've done. We, we're approaching our 250th episode, right? And, you know, I know that there are a number of people who listen to this show, but it's not like a massive show or whatever. We, we have listeners. It's great. We love you. But this is really always a highlight of my week. And talking to not only watching a film, but getting to talk to you about it for a whole hour does feel quite anti that that snackable trend it, it it feels to me like the opposite of social media even though this is something that we are putting out on the internet for people to consume and there people do have a means of interacting with us via our, our our twitter and whatever so we're on social media but this part of it the podcast it's not that is it 
it's 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 long form it's something that's rambling and it's supposed to not be something that you look at for two minutes on the toilet it's something that actually demands your attention and i always feel good about the fact that this is a thing that we do so thank you everyone for listening (laughs) yeah thank you i do i do really love it and i this is always the highlight of my week as well is being able to particularly when i've chosen a movie that i know you're going to hate even if it's something that i will hate as well especially if i've chosen a musical yeah, less so when you've chosen a musical. I'm, I'm less enthused about it at that point. Do but you hear the people sing? Singing yeah. the songs of Alia. <laughs> That's what happens in Romeo Must Die. It was a shame they didn't actually have any singing in the film. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm glad that they weren't like, I am a singer. Because you know what? She was a great actor as well. Yeah, she was. And I I totally forgot that she died so young in a plane crash yeah. not long after this film yeah. was made, which is really, really sad. It was it was this and Queen of the Damned, wasn't it? Um, the, um, not the Jonathan Davis thing. Yeah, yeah. She was in that. Yeah, so she was she was the evil vampire queen in that. Ah, I've, so I don't think released, I've ever seen it. It was released after she died. Um, well, I think you could potentially choose it next if you wanted to keep the earlier train going otherwise, you're trying to sway me are you otherwise we could we could um try and remember it for when we reach halloween month but um but yeah so so yeah it, it was these these were the two movies she did it was romeo must die and then queen ah. of the Dead. um and, and again who knows know, what her film career would have been like oh exactly what amazing yeah. stuff she could have she could have made the the charisma on show is absolutely fantastic in both movies i mean Queen of the Damned is is a bad film. <laughs> I think we should save it for Halloween. It is it is extremely bad, um, but there's something very hypnotic about her performance in it. It's it's truly um, it's truly great. Um, so it's it's yeah it is it is really it is it is a great tragedy that she died because who knows where she would have been. Um, if if that hadn't happened, and in this movie she's brilliant as well, isn't she? Yeah, really, really good. I mean, this is Jet Li's film, right? This was his kind of breakout in the West, wasn't it? But it, and every time he's on screen, you're like, yes, here we go. I love his face. I love his his facial expressions. I love when he he kicks guys. You know, everything that he does is magical in this film. But she's a real close second in terms of a really engaging screen presence, and that both of their performances i think tip this over from being kind of a silly film into one that's actually quite enjoyable to watch yeah yeah it's it's a um it's 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 a really interesting film because it it gets the light-hearted approach of um of, of hong kong action movies across as well as the more dramatic elements as well it's a really varied movie tonally and i find that very very interesting um, whereas often when you think of these kind of movies, you think of them being very serious and very bloody and very yeah. violent. But obviously it was so... And they're not really being much dialogue of it, just being a guy who walks into a room and goes, you killed my father, now you must die. And then they fight for 15 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Whereas this really, um, you know, it was made um, with with those Hong Kong action movies in mind. And it really does emulate that incredibly well. 
Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 extremely good, extremely good. The action in it is fantastic. You get some terrible CGI. Yeah, you get to see good. the guy's skeleton, and then they do it again later on in the film because they obviously <laughs> paid someone for the skeleton thing, and they had some spare skeleton left over. So they were like, "Do you want to do the skeleton thing again?" Yeah, sure. Where like suddenly you kick someone or, or punches someone, and then you like the camera zooms inside this like terrible CGI skeleton, and it goes ah. <laughs> <laughs> and my my personal favorite of bad CGI was when he does like a a three sixty roundhouse kick, and it's this this horrifying swooping animation around him. Yeah, it's almost like you can imagine that they 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 could have done it in in real life probably, but instead they were like, right, we've got to make it look stylish, and so it just looks like someone flicked him. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. gave him a little tap and just swiveled him round. It's oh, it's 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 fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, but but Jet Li's um, had a really interesting career. Um, overall, I mean, this like you said, this was his real big breakout role in the in the in the US. He'd been in all sorts before this. Um, he was the villain in Lethal Weapon Four. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he didn't kill Mel Gibson in real life. <laughs> Um, very disappointing. Bad Jetly could have bad Jetly could have got rid of him before all of the bad things he did happened. Um, but but after this, you know, he went on to be in the one, uh, the Jason Statham <laughs> vehicle. I've not time, seen that. The first time that um, that Jetly and Jason Statham uh, teamed up. Um, it's a really interesting movie. The one actually, it's about like a multiverse and, and multiple. Uh, Jet Lee's. Oh, that <laughs> sounds is, cool. Which is brilliant. It's yeah, Jetception. Really, really, exactly. Um, a really, a really interesting concept and a really fun uh, uh, martial arts movie. Yeah, I've not actually seen loads of Jet Lee's work because this isn't the kind of film I would necessarily gravitate to. I mean, we watched a lot of these film kinds of films when I was in my early to mid teens because it was just sort of around and people thought all oh, the fighting was cool, you know. But I've never like gone down the rabbit hole with with action films like this. I don't I don't gravitate towards action films. I know you 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 like sad boy films. I like sad boy films. Sad boy <laughs> crying films. Um, yeah, he he's done he's done lots of really interesting stuff. Um, obviously, the highlight is the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. <laughs> oh no, is that the recent one? That is that was the last one uh, back in two thousand and eight. Um, he's in the Expendables movies. Oh yes, as well. Um, I think in, I saw one of those at your house. Maybe he was in Mulan. Yes, he, he was. was the really boring um, Mulan, which I regret watching. I I have so it dour. It's just extremely bad. It really is a disservice to the original because the original, whatever flaws it has, has a lot of really good songs, and is part of that '90s Disney canon that we grew up with. And, you know, it has some really great stuff in there. And in this new one, all of the fun and joy is sucked out of it. And it becomes a really, really extremely long, draggy, technically brilliant, but absolutely crushingly boring two-hour military strategy film. Which I have no time for. That sounds really fun. (laughs) Despite Jet Li obviously giving a great performance, as he does in everything. That sounds really fun. Um, I'm glad I've not watched it yet. I feel as though I I probably won't ever watch it. No, don't watch it. Um, But but Jet Li, he had this sweet spot, probably between 2000 and 2007, 2008, where everything he was in was great. 
Um, and yeah, it, it, it it's funny because you think of him as being one of these icons of of action movies but actually it was less than a decade where he was the go-to action star yeah um but but he's not been as he's not had as long a period of appearing in everything as say jackie chan who is in everything or 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 if you look at western alternatives you think about obviously arnold schwarzenegger dominating both the 80s and 90s same with uh, Sylvester Stallone, same with um, Jean-Claude Van Damme. But instead you get this sweet spot of incredible martial arts films from him um, that, that all of them are really entertaining. Um, and so, yeah, he he was a real a real force to be reckon, reckoned with during that time. And Romeo Must Die really kicked it off and set the tone for what was to come as well in terms of his high-energy martial arts presence. Yeah, with great soundtracks. With with great soundtracks as well. Yeah. Um of course, yeah, the um what was it called? Uh Unleashed, I think it was. That's the one that Luke Besson wrote. Um the soundtrack to that was by Massive Attack. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Um, oh yeah, here it is. Unleashed 2005. I've never seen this before. Because it was a, it was originally going to be called Danny the Dog because that's his name, the character <laughs> name. Danny the Dog. Yeah, that Jack sounds like a Danny book I would read my son. <laughs> I think you should. I think you should show him Unleashed. Yeah, for sure. On the the poster for this film, it says on May thirteenth, serve no master. It's very. That's really bad. <laughs> like trying to combine the date with the tagline in a way that really does not work. That is that is quite bad, isn't it? It works if it's a film like The Purge, where it's about opposite day or something opposite happening day. you know yeah <laughs> on opposite day it works obviously yeah yeah um <laughs> but yeah it doesn't doesn't quite work there does it um but anyway um romeo must die Hang on, plot but bob hoskins is a vicious loan shark whose method of persuading men to pay him back involves danny the dog Jet Li, a young man trained like a dog and left with the mentality of a child <laughs> it's a very <laughs> strange awful. movie it's a very, very strange movie. Um, anyway, Romeo Must Die, right? Um, directed uh, by Andres Bartoviak, um, which I'm sure I, I butchered the pronunciation of that. Um, he's uh, a Polish director and and cinematographer. He's done mm. all sorts of stuff over the years. A lot um, of people we talk about, the directors or cinematographers, don't have a career like this. It's really interesting where he's continued to do both. Uh, this was his first film as a director, but had done cinematography on some really amazing stuff. Yeah, did I mean, a lot of work with Sidney Lumet. Yeah, you you look at the you look at the cinematography he did. And, I mean, it shows our different focuses when it comes to movies. Because the one that stood out for me was, oh my god, he did Twins. He did Twins. Oh my god, yeah. he did Speed. <laughs> <laughs> the bus that couldn't slow down. He did Species. He did Dante's Peak. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, you're right. He he um, he was a cinematographer, but then he also did did the obit of cinematography here and there after he started as a director as well, which I think is interesting. But he he did some some good movies. So Romeo Must Die is his 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 debut. Um, Exit Wounds, which is a Steven Seagal and DMX. Um, action movie. Yeah, he loved DMX, didn't he? Because I I remember seeing Cradle to the Grave around yes, the same time, which yeah. also starred Jet Li and DMX. Yeah, which is which is awesome. Um, DMX is also dead, and that's also sad. It is that is also sad. 
Um, He's still going to give it to you, though. <laughs> he is. He is. Um, and then he also did uh, the Doom movie. Which did you ever? Oh, see really? The, no, the I never saw of, it. Of Doom. Is it terrible? It is. It is quite bad. Yeah, it starts off quite well in terms of being Rosamund Pike, isn't it? It's got Carl Urban and Rosamund Pike before either of them were particularly. I mean, Carl Urban by that point had been in um, Lord of the Rings as Aemer, but he was now Carl Urban is not the same as Keith Urban. No, <laughs> that's a country singer, right? That that is a country singer, not renowned for being in the movie Doom, right? Um. <laughs> But yeah, so so he he did um yeah so so he did Doom, which is a really that that it starts really well as a cheesy B movie action horror film, but then you know how Doom is all about they open a portal to hell and demons come through. Yeah, yeah, and then you've got to shoot them, and then you've got to shoot them. Um, for some reason in the movie Doom, they took all of the hell out, and I assume because they were terrified of well, that's because in america you can't say hell yeah i i assume that it was it was because they were really scared of of um of having it being about hell um because otherwise i don't understand what it is so instead it's something like they get uh possessed by the spirits of um aliens on mars or something <laughs> like that <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's extremely bad um but yeah it's got rosamund pike in it it's got carl urban in it it's got Dwayne the rock johnson credited as the rock this was the time oh. where he was still going by the rock um mr rock the to his friends um and it's it's it starts off really well but then it it, it drops off quite dramatically but it does have a um a first-person sequence in it to be like the games. Of course. Where it follows Carl Urban as he runs around shooting monsters. <laughs> it's just incredibly silly. It is It is very bad. Um, but yeah, and then after that, unfortunately, his career um, drops off quite, quite sharp. Oh, he made that Street Fighter film that everyone hated. The very, very bad Street Fighter film, and then that was really it until um, he, did a, he did a couple of smaller movies a few years ago in terms of i mean they still seem to be action films but i can't i don't know if anyone's seen them um, <laughs> i haven't <laughs> to be honest um but yeah so, so so an interesting career that started off very very well and then and then petered out but what a debut to have in romeo must die yeah um it's got it's it's an idiot's the wire for the most part You've got these rival gangs and their machinations behind the scenes. Um, it's about as close to Romeo and Juliet as as you could get in Oakland. <laughs> as you can, it's about as close to Romeo and Juliet as uh, as a dream I had last night, where I dreamt that I had baguette and then didn't have baguette. Oh, did you did you in the baguette sad. have a like a a thing where one of you thought the other one was dead? No, but literally, I I had a dream where I was eating baguette, and I had baguette left over, and and it was a great dream because I was eating baguette, which is the best thing anyone can ever have in their life. Um, and then I woke up in the morning, and about bird it and bird it. And then and then relatively soon after I woke up, I realised, oh no, I don't have baguette. 
it was just a dream baguette and i didn't oh, have a baguette waiting for me for lunch um and I, I i could have walked up the road and tried to buy a baguette at the shop but I, but that I would have taken some effort it would have so i i've just been sad all day oh i'm sorry dreaming of baguette that's going to be the name of my autobiography by the way dreaming, dreaming of baguette, of baguette. Um, but yeah, what a what a disappointing life I lead, where I don't have baguette. Um, but but the unrequited love between me and baguette, the 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 unfinished love there, that that's about as close to Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, you come from two time. two different worlds, but somehow you make it work. And again, things. that that element of Romeo and Juliet is obviously yeah, they're from yeah rival families, warring gangs. However you want to play it. You actually believe the love between them in this, don't you? Because it is given a bit more time, whereas in the the actual sequence of Romeo and Juliet itself only takes place over about forty eight hours, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a bit. It's short not enough words. time for John Leguizamo and his gun boys to, you know, put in a real believable performance over this love. Yeah, whereas whereas here, um, also the the situation that they're in kind of leads to that pressurized love environment as well, where they kind of get that chemistry because they're fighting people and getting shot at yeah um so it, it, it's certainly a lot more um it's a lot more exciting their their interpersonal relationship in this film and grounded in a way which is a weird thing to say about romeo must die <laughs> but um but they're not they're not they don't meet each other just because of it being happenstance um you know oh we're from we're from different families in fact that's kind of it's it's one of the plot threads but there's also the plot thread of Jet Li trying to find out what happened to his brother yeah and 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 the actual goings on of the families plays a much more prominent role here which i think is a an an interesting choice to make and one that i think actually makes the movie work a lot better his brother who died in DMX's club yeah which is which is where we all want to die right yeah I wouldn't mind. It's, was his yeah. name Silk in the film? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it it is an amazing cast outside of of our duo. So Isaiah Washington is in it. Um, mm-hmm. We've got Delroy Lindo as well. Um, it's 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 got this amazing cast of people: Anthony uh, Anderson, DMX, of course, as well. Um, it's yeah, it's it's a brilliant cast of people, and they all do their jobs incredibly well. Yeah, they're they're all really good. I especially like um, who's the guy who played Maurice um, Anthony Anderson. Yeah, I especially like him as the sort of as the fool of the piece. Essentially, he, I think he genuinely approached it like a Shakespearean fool, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. He played it in that way. Um, he's very he's, funny when he's trying to do the, the kung fu, and like he thinks he's like a real hard man, and then Jet Li's beating up him and his mate, and then his mate's pants fall down. That was a very funny moment. <laughs> Yes, that was very good, and that's one of those great moments of of uh, Hong Kong action movie humor there as well. That really, really. But it doesn't feel out of place, does it? No, no, no. It, it works incredibly well. Similarly, when uh, Jet Li eventually kills him, he says "sorry, moron," and then pushes him out of a window, <laughs> <laughs> so he dies on top of a car. Yeah. Or is he dead? Because he says, "My name's Maurice," while he's lying on the car. You don't Maybe know if he's, he's dead. not dead. Maybe yeah. he's just hurt. Um, yeah. But yeah, and he's been in all sorts over the years. Um, most notably, of course, Kangaroo Jack. The movie I haven't about, seen that. The movie about a kangaroo. Is it actually just about a kangaroo? Yes. Um, Is it a talking kangaroo? 
Uh, oh, is that one? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I'm looking at the talked, picture now. We've talked about Kangaroo Jack before. A movie that at some point we're surely going to going to have to 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 cover. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> does he does he get it on with a female kangaroo? I don't know, but if we wanted that, we could watch the Tank Girl movie. Oh, do you, do you, do you know Tank Girl? Yeah, the I know comic. the comics. Yeah, they made a movie of it in the nineties, and obviously, Tank Girl the comics has the the kangaroo men. Yeah, in it. and Ice T plays the lead kangaroo man. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. It's a it's a weird movie. It's got um Malcolm McDowell in it, so you know it's gonna be strange. Oh of um, course. <laughs> Tank was Tank Girl two thousand AD. Is that right? I think yeah. so, yeah. I mean I, I know I've read one or two of them, but not I'm not overly familiar with it, but I, yeah, I know of it. As a good uh, comic that's, you know, very highly regarded across the spectrum of comics readers. Yes, yeah, it's one of it's one of those things, isn't it? Um, where, yeah, I want was it was it two thousand AD? It seems like something that two thousand AD would would put out there. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we we should we should do Tank Girl at some point. It's got kangaroo men in it. What more? Why not? I'm I'm always up for kangaroo men. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's a it is a it is a a movie. It's certainly a film. Um, a, another movie with a really, um, a really strange cast. So Laurie Petty is Tank Girl. Then it's also got Naomi Watts in it as well. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and Why not? McDowell, as mentioned. Um, yeah, it's got uh, got an outrageous cast. Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop's in it. Yeah. Um, let me let me see if I can show you Iggy Pop in Tank Girl. Iggy Pop, the massive long walled up. Oh, here we go. Are you dropping it in the in the Google chat? Because I forgot that last week, um, you why well, I, I found when I opened it today that you dropped me a picture of that comic book character we were talking about last week. What was his name? <laughs> Kevin the Hunter. Uh, yeah, well, what's his I name? opened it and there was we'll a sort of him. quite camp Tiger Man in my in my feed. I was like, yeah, I like this. What more? What more do you want from? Um, what more do you want from your feed when you open it up? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that should be with you now. Oh yes, there he is, <laughs> with a with a spiky thing sticking out of his head. Um, and then let me show you uh, <laughs> Kangaroo Man Ice Tea while we're at it. Why not? As well, um, Ice Tea in his most iconic role, clearly. <laughs> his most iconic role, indeed. There we go. Oh yeah, <laughs> looks a bit like um, a sort of really bad proto version of Channing Tatum in Jupiter Ascending. Um, yeah, yeah, the similarities, similarities are there to be seen by all. And now Channing Tatum's in a film called Dog. I sent you the trailer <laughs> know, for that, didn't I? I know, and I'm very sad that he is not the dog. No, he's a man who owns a dog. Yeah, which is not as not as interesting. At the very least, his dog should have been played by by Gollum Man. Oh, and Andy Circus. Yeah, he he could play any animal. Yeah, why 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 have you not cast Andy Circus as dog in the movie Dog? Yeah, why why was he not the dog in what's the one the Call of the Wild where there was like an actual man in a dog suit? Yeah, there was a man. There was a, a it was a CGI dog because of a, a man, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I'm very disappointed that his character in the movie Dog is not just called Man. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm not going to see it. I'm going to boycott it on that basis. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to see it because it looks boring as fuck. But I know that you're you're more of a fan of dog movies. But it doesn't look like your kind of dog movie. What, dog? Yeah. No, it looks like it's more about the man than the dog. I'm not into that. Yeah, you, <laughs> you prefer your dog movies to be about the dog, and rightly so. Yeah, of course. Otherwise, Let's... it's not a dog dog film. That's the thing. It's not a dog film, but it's called Dog. Not down with that. I'm Where quite straightforward you... in the way I approach my, my films. If if it doesn't describe the right thing. Although, to be fair, in this one, Romeo does not die. And <laughs> I, st- I do like this film. Well, I think there, it doesn't say Romeo will die. It says Romeo must die. That's true. So it's true. like an order being given to other people that he must be killed. Okay, um, you found the loophole. I have. Um, speaking of dog movies, where do you stand on Turner and Hooch? I don't think I've ever seen Turner and Hooch. It's oh, Tom Hanks yeah. and a massive dog, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's Tom Hanks and a big old bull mastiff. That looks like something I'd enjoy. They're, it's a buddy cop movie uh, where they're, 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 it's one of those, you know, opposites attract cops. It's the Puchinski that could have been. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. It's not quite as good as the one where um, Clint Eastwood has an orangutan. What's that one? Dunstan checks in. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, any which way but loose, isn't it? I've never seen um, that. It's uh, yeah, Clint Eastwood's and an orangutan. Uh, uh, he he's like a boxer or or a brawler, and. Um, and then he becomes friends with an orangutan. Does the orangutan box? What's the deal with no, that? No, Clint Eastwood is the boxer. Oh, okay. Well, that's boring. <laughs> Clint Eastwood is a boxer, and he becomes friends with an orangutan called Clyde. And then they travel around. He's trying to find his long-lost love or something like that. It's an amazing movie. Oh, sounds all right. Apart from the orangutan part. Um, Not that I have anything against orangutans. But. It's um yeah, they're amongst the the most successful box office movies of Clint Eastwood's career. <laughs> you think of all of the other movies he's been in, all those big serious films. I bet you it didn't take as much at the box office as Dunstan checks in. Let's have a little look at that. Nineteen ninety six famous monkey movie. Have we done any monkey movies? No, we should do. Dunstan checks in. Budget sixteen million, box office nine point nine million. Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that is not good. How how did Dunstan checks in compare to Monkey Business? Oh, Monkey Business. When was that? Now we're just going down the monkey rabbit hole, the monkey hole. <laughs> monkey monkey hole. business movie. Nineteen what from nineteen fifty two? No, no, the one There's where a it's terrible remake, isn't there? The, the one from the 90s. 1998. There we go. Let's find out. Oh, Monkey wow. Trouble, 1994. No, That's not right. That. Monkey, Monkey Trouble, I think I'm thinking of. Or is it Monkey Business? Oh, there is a Monkey Business, 1998. But am I thinking of Monkey Trouble? I know it's got what? Monkey in the title. <laughs> narrowing it down. Monkey Trouble... Yeah, stars. it's monkey. It's monkey trouble. The one with Thor okay. Birchin. Yeah, yeah, where the monkey's got on the poster. It's a little monkey, and he's wearing a backwards cap like Fred Durst, and he's got a like a jacket open with loads of watches. Yeah, he's a he's a cheeky <laughs> monkey thief. 
Uh, bo- box office, 16.4 million. Okay, so, yeah, that beat Dunstan checks in. <laughs> One thing you'll you'll feel proud about this. Bridges of Madison County took 182 million at the box office. Good grief. Which is more than both Any Which Way But Loose and its sequel, Any Which Way You Can, took. Wow. So, yeah, unfortunately... Clint Eastwood and Orangutan is beaten by Clint Eastwood and a bridge. <laughs> of course, everyone loves a bridge. Welcome to the How Much Did Monkey Films Take at the Box Office <laughs> podcast. To be fair, our audience wants to know this. It's important that they know the facts, right? <laughs> they need to know this. Romeo Must Die, budget 25 million, box office 91 million. I think that's respectable pretty, for the year 2000. Pretty damn good, isn't it? Pretty yeah. damn good. Um, going back to Clint Eastwood movies, um, you know, yeah, outside of the big ones like Bridges of Madison County, Unforgiven, Million Dollar Baby, Clint Eastwood and Orangutan is just a it's box office material, box it's, office gold, it's gold. It is perfect, and I think we need to bring back Orangutan movies. I also think we need to bring back the box office because I don't think that's a thing that exists anymore. Even if you go to the cinema, you do your ticket on an app or something, don't you? It's true, it's true. These kids and their apps these days, here I go again, 100-year-old man. <laughs> Old man, <laughs> uncle, grandpa, box office paddy. Um, Says I haven't been to the cinema since, yeah, well, June last year. And that's the film, June, not the month. What's your What's your favourite monkey films, then? Um, obviously, Dunstan Checks In is up there. <laughs> Uh, of course, and I keep talking about it. Um, I'm trying to think of others now. The Jungle Book does that count? Cartoons probably what, don't count. Do I, they? I mean, I probably <laughs> wouldn't count cartoons. I'd, I'd, I'd. I'm more into dog say, films, as you know. I'd probably say King Kong and Apes are acceptable, as but well. not Planet of the Apes. No, because that's just an inverse. If it, my was... favorite monkey film is the um, Simpsons parody of Planet of the Apes, <laughs> <laughs> which is it is it is incredible. Um, I think you would enjoy Monkey in the Middle, a movie that I have literally just found out about. <laughs> oh no, MVP, Most Valuable Primate. Most that's valuable my favorite primate. monkey monkey film. <laughs> Um, I like Outbreak, <laughs> the one where it's a killer virus and there's a monkey in it. That's okay. good. Um, you've got Monkey Shines. Have you ever seen Monkey Shines? Wasn't that a video game? I don't. I don't think so. Maybe it is. Um, this man, uh, this this disabled man, has a monkey helper um, to help him. Um, but then the monkey starts uh, hating him and trying to kill him. <laughs> This is, this is Sounds literal, great. This is a literal movie that was directed by George Romero. It's, oh, George Romero. <laughs> yes, he of Dawn of the Dead fame. Yep, yep, he did a movie with a with an evil monkey in it. Um, you've got Congo, one of the greatest movies of all time, based on the Michael Crichton novel. We talked about that recently, didn't we? Why did we talk about that recently? Probably because I'm so obsessed with Congo. <laughs> um, Tim Curry is in it. Maybe that's why we. That's about why. It. Yeah. Um, one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, that took more at the box office than Romeo Must Die. Somehow. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll send you this later. But Monkey Shines. This was a game in the late nineties on the on the Mac. See, my family we had Mac computers from quite an early quite early on, and um, my dad had the, my dad's Mac in the late nineties had all these really terrible games on it that I used to play all the time. And one of them was called Monkey Shines, a really bad platform game with horrible graphics. So I'm going to send it to you later. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in now, but we can continue talking because I'm, I'm... Monkey Shines Mac game from nineteen ninety eight. I'll find a video to send to you. This is what you should be writing about. If listeners didn't know, Rob is a games journalist and gets to review like new games and stuff, but I think he should be reviewing Mac games from the 1990s. <laughs> I, sh- I should, shouldn't I? I yeah. Should. While we're on that subject, Apple hates gaming and Apple hates gamers, so it's stupid and it's really annoying, and it's meant that I have to borrow my wife's Windows laptop to play any games now. So, oh, what what games are you unable to play? Well, that that record of Lodos War, Deedle in Wonder Labyrinth, with very long name. That basically any new Metroidvania I'm trying to play just doesn't work on a Mac. It's bullshit. So I finished I finished that, and now I'm playing uh, Momodora: Reverie Under the Moonlight, which is very good. Um, and yeah, again, it doesn't work on Mac. And it's like the graphics look the same as on a SNES. Is it? Um, do you get them via Steam? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I guess some. I guess some. Um, guess some of these games aren't being developed for 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 Mac as well as PC. I hate it when they do that. Things are a lot better than they used to be. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's Apple's fault, not the developers' yeah, fault, yeah. because Apple have like. The, in a, a, an OS update a couple of years ago removed functionality for 32-bit games when it used to exist, and it's just like they took it away for no apparent reason. I can't even think why they did it. Why they did it? And what's ridiculous is my like MacBook is way more powerful than this Windows laptop, so it's not to do with computing power or anything else. I just don't really fully understand it. It's just really annoying. I'll tell you why they did it because they couldn't be bothered to work out how to do it on their new um, operating system, and they thought, ah, well, people will just accept it because people use Apple and they don't care if we take stuff away. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's, 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 why that's exactly it. it. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm having a look at my my Steam library now, and yeah, actually, I don't see any Metroidvania games in here. Stardew Valley still works. Stardew Valley, so that's works. good. If we ever get back to doing our co-op with Rob Sherman on that, I would really love to get back to that. That I, still works on my Mac. Um, I'm Crypt of the Necro Dancer works on Mac. Have you ever played ah, that? I played that years ago at Adam's house. Yeah, ah. I, that's been on my wish list for a while. It is extremely good. I highly recommend you play it. Undertale works on my Mac. Oh, what else do you need than but Undertale? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and behold the kick men. <laughs> <laughs> That's the um, silly football game, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good fun. Yeah, That's yeah. Um, you could also play. Uh, what else have I got in here that's definitely not something? Garfield oh. Kart doesn't work on Mac. No, Garfield Kart doesn't work on Mac. It's, <laughs> it's incredibly disappointing. Um, you could play Donut County which is an awesome game where you make holes in the ground and stuff falls through them. That sounds like fun. It's re- it's really great. Um, you could play uh, Doki Doki Literature Club, um, which is a lovely game about doing a literature club at high school. It's definitely not anything other than that, but I don't want to say what it's really about because... Is it horny? No, it appears oh, okay. to be horny, 
and it is definitely not horny. It's one of the most unique games I've ever played in my life. But oh, that's disappointing. I don't want to say anything about it, because if you say anything about it, it spoils the surprise of what happens, and it's it's extremely good. Um, you can play de- uh, Game Dev Tycoon um, on, on, on Mac. Do you know Game Dev Tycoon? No. It's a game. I remember game. Rollercoaster Tycoon, which yeah, again, I played on Mac around the same time, around, around the year two thousand. Around the time that Romeo Must Die came out, I was playing stuff like Rollercoaster Tycoon on my dad's Mac. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, game game dev Tycoon is kind of a. It's like a little uh, sim game where you set up a, a game development studio, um, and it's good fun. But the 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 best thing they ever did was um, that they. Um, they did this thing where if you'd pirated the game, it didn't immediately stop you from playing the game. But instead, when you reached a certain point playing it, all of your games would start getting pirated. So any game that you created and released and you're expecting to get money back on, there'd be a little message that came up saying, your game's been pirated so you didn't make any money off it. Ah, that's cool. (laughs) And and loads of people who pirated the game didn't realise that this was something that was happening because they were being filthy cheats um, and, and cheating the developers out of their money. So the, the, the FAQs of the game um, or, or, or things like community boards would be full of these people saying, how do I stop people from pirating the, my games in this game? <laughs> Just like, well, here's how. Buy the fucking thing, you cheating That's fantastic. Bastard. It's so good. Um, welcome to, to Paddy and Rob go through their Steam collection part podcast everybody yeah i know it's just good to be able to talk about games isn't it because i wasn't playing any games for so long and actually in the last year or so since i got back on my castlevania horse it's actually become something i'm i'm doing more regularly and i'm really enjoying and i am actually now in more interested in gaming culture and like newer stuff even though i'm more or less exclusively playing metroidvanias i'm still vaguely interested in it and like i realized that there are good new games being made and i don't have to just play castlevania don't don't get interested in gaming culture probably that, well, you've kept me informed about that <laughs> over, over the years. Um, yeah, I, I had a really interesting conversation with some developers the other day, actually. I did, gave a quick interview. Um, they are releasing a very interesting game uh, called Glitch Hikers, um, which, um, which I'm still waiting for a, a review code to come through. They released it. They released a short-form version of it about six or seven years ago and now they're expanding it into this whole thing and the the whole thing around it is um like though the the relaxing mindfulness journeys you go through at night so it's 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 driving along an empty highway at night time and picking up a hitchhiker and talking with them or or traveling around a desert a deserted airport lounge um walking around a, a, an empty park taking an overnight train and speaking to people that you meet on the train and it's just this really surreal weird adventure almost that you go on and it's yeah it sounds really interesting so i'm looking forward to that sounds great so there's all sorts of interesting stuff in games it's not just kicking and punching and shooting people no there's vampires and stuff as well (laughs) there's whips and vampires that's what i like you can kick vampires instead of people yeah. Well, actually, in the one I'm playing right now, Momodora, she uses leaves as weapons, so that's cool. And you're a woman, so that's that's cool. That that makes it instantly not trash. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Wait, there is an Airbud movie called Russell Madness. What? It is a Jack Russell. Um, oh, is this part of the Air Buddies spin-off? Of, well, it's because the Buddies ones are the ones where the dogs it's from talk. Airbud Entertainment. It says at the top. Um, when a man inherits his grandfather's arena, he and his family try to restore the family wrestling business with the help of a talking monkey and their star attraction, a wrestling dog. <laughs> oh, you're you're going back to the monkey films now. Uh, yeah. I, I never know where we are anymore. Uh, like, uh, what, what thread are we talking about now? What are we discussing? <laughs> I'm a hundred years old. <laughs> Humor me. There is a scene of a Jack Russell standing on a man's back, having just beaten him in a wrestling match. <laughs> of course. I mean, what more do you need from a film than that? Let's be honest. Well, what I need from a film is Jet Li's lovely soft voice. Do you not think he's got quite a soft voice for an action he hero? He does. He does have an in the in the loveliest possible way. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Um, and it's a lot... Because Jean-Claude Van Damme also has quite a soft voice. Hmm. But it doesn't work as well, because he's still playing, like, really hard men, whereas Jet Li is a calm... His characters are often really calm, and that's yeah. what works very well, is it? it's that, that, that binary between this calm individual who suddenly turns around and gives you an amazing roundhouse kick. He he kicks the ass of everyone in this film, but you feel like he'd also take you out for a lovely dinner. And actually, when he's spending time with Aaliyah, you do believe it. It's not like she likes him because he's a hard nut. It's like he's actually a normal, decent guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, who just happens to be a criminal who broke out of prison and steals steals a taxi. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just he just happens to be an absolute superstar of kicking people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and having like cable ties in his belt for some reason that he then uses to tie up the guys and kick them when their pants fall down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was a, what was that decision. about? Uh, Dennis Reynolds, a very Dennis Reynolds move. <laughs> yeah. Ties with him at all times. <laughs> and also, he brings a basketball to his brother's funeral. Was that because his brother liked basketball, or was, was that was that explained? I don't know if it was. I, I don't know if it was explained or just implied that it was clearly something of relevance to their childhood, as a, right. as a thing to, to bring along. But about two thirds of the way through the film, as well, you get the whole Jet Li's not just an action for hero; he's good at sports, and he's good at playing sports with like children in the park as well. Yeah, Jet Jet Li meets Airbud. Yeah, it sort of it was a bit Airbudish for five minutes, wasn't it? <laughs> it? It really is. It really is. Um, yeah. So that was nice. Um, so yeah, I just realised that we've basically done our runtime of this episode. We have, yeah. So I shouldn't have mentioned. I shouldn't have mentioned games. I got you off <laughs> um, yeah, on a tangent. <laughs> Everything I've said is like every word I've said takes you off on some new tangent. There, but that's fine. That's what tangents. this show is. This is not going to be the episode, right? That you use to introduce people to the show. Even though earlier on in the episode I said, if this is the first time you're listening to the show, yeah, da, 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 yeah. This is this is an, this is a deep cut. I think. Go Go and go and um, go and listen to Bridges of Madison County episode if you want a good introduction to this. Yep. Movie, to this episode twenty five. Yeah, that's what well. The li- the listeners' choice, as we know, is um, the episode about cats, which I do think is a very good episode. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. Is there anything since we're now at time? Is there anything you want to say about where we're in the start? Well, to sum it up, it's 
it's an action film. If if you're turned off by action films, you probably won't enjoy it. But it's it's not just kicking and punching. The action stuff really works and is high octane and is thrilling and fun to watch. But it's a really, really engaging film. And what makes it is the music. Um, the soundtrack is really, really good. And the score is really, really good as well. It sort of has the soft synths for the sort of sadder and more emotional moments. It has slap bass when Jet Li's sneaking around in a way that really, really works. And it integrates really perfectly with the music of the time. It's, it's of its time. Obviously, there are bits about it that feel a little bit dated, but it's it's a really good fun and actually a really interesting film, a more interesting film than you'd think about a sort of, yeah, gang violence film from the 2000s. Is it's actually, it, it has a lot of depth and it's fun, but it's it's not, you know, it's it's not groundbreaking. It's not like super deep or anything, but it's, I found watching this very, very enjoyable and fun. Yeah, it's it's a lot better than you think it's going to be. It's a really enjoyable, <clears> often <throat> cheeky and humorous um, action movie with this with this plot revolving around gangs. But there's also there's also um, you know like a mystery going on around who's killing these people. You've got mm-hmm. sort of, um, the whole the whole. Uh, gang machination plot going on as well there's a lot more going on here than simply people being being punched yeah there's a good element of betrayal isn't there as well and of kind of um the guy isaiah washington he sort of he turns on his employer at the last minute doesn't he and says that you've you've become corrupt and whatever and that kind of thing when they're trying to work with the guys to to buy this nfl to sell this patch of land to the nfl basically that's what they're kind of like property developers um and it doesn't quite work and then of course it ends in a shootout but all that kind of betrayal stuff you you, it's believable isn't it? it you don't feel like it's just shoehorned in to give them an excuse to have a fight it's actually believable yeah yeah, it's it, it it is all incredibly believable. You're right. There's, like I said, there's this there's this strange reality to be found in this movie, um, that's that's not what you'd expect. <laughs> the most important thing is that at the end he says um, the reason that this film is called Romeo Must Die is someone literally says to him, Romeo, it's time for you to die. <laughs> <laughs> sorry yes, Romeo sorry Romeo and that's why it's called Romeo Must Die his character's not called Romeo unfortunately no, no. but um good. yeah I wonder if it was called something else and then that line was in there and they were like they were looking for the name and they were like there it is Romeo Must Die we've got it yeah maybe maybe so maybe so just a good name for a film it's um, a name that I think fits the content of the film yeah, I think it does. It, it really has that intensity to it that, that matches the movie. So yeah, go go and watch Romeo Must Die. Yeah, do do go see it. So how are we gonna how are we gonna rate this? When you're kicking and punching guys in the club, how many of their skeletons do you get to see when you punch them really hard? Oh, it's it's a spooky day for me because it's a solid fourteen skeletons. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think it's good. It's it. Yeah, it's a it's a solid film, isn't it? It's not necessarily like something I would choose to watch. It's not like my favourite thing in the world, but I really enjoyed watching it, and it was a nice a nice diversion. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, what have we got next? Well, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you some names and let you pick because um, I I couldn't decide. There's going backwards and forwards with loads of different things, but I'm going to give you three names: Eric Banner. Vince Vaughn and Jim Carrey. Oh, I've got to go with Jim Carrey. 
Good, good choice, good choice. In that case, we are doing Liar Liar, which is a film oh. we've mentioned a number of times, but I've never got around to doing because I always talk about how much I love Carrie Elwes as the, the cool stepdad. But yeah, it's quite different, uh, sort of off the path of what stuff we've been talking about recently. I thought it would be a fun one to do. Oh, fantastic. And uh, what what could I have had? What were the other things? Well, Eric, Eric Banner was going to be the time traveler's wife. Which okay. is quite yeah. quite an interesting one from a romance point of view, and Vince Vaughn was going to be Wedding Crashers, so more oh. of the kind of knockabout romantic comedy two thousands, just trying <laughs> to move things away from the year two thousand forward just a couple of years maybe. When did that film come out? I think I saw that in the cinema. I don't know if I've two thousand and five. Have you not? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's that good. But I I am glad of the movie I ended up with out of those three choices. Yeah, I don't think any of those are necessarily bad choices. There wasn't there wasn't a stinker thrown in there, but yeah. No, I'm excited. I've not seen Liar Liar in years, so this will be a good one. Sweet. All right, well, thanks a lot for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. And if this was the first time you, you listened to one of our shows and you got all the way to the end, then now you know about all of our interests and not just films. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, there's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money um, and you know go and check through our back catalogue as well go to our page on Acast and check it all out because we've probably talked about a film you like somewhere and you might not have heard it um, you can also find us on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod um, on the emails BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com um, but I probably won't respond to you because I hate social media so <laughs> there it is the show is is what it is oh, um, I wouldn't change it for the world no. All right. And we'll be back next week to talk about Liar Liar. All righty. Bye bye. Bye.